0: Hello everyone and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Hope you're having a great Sunday night. It's been a while since we've been here on Primetime because the last time that I saw you guys was the Wednesday before Thanksgiving. The Cowboys have since played in a game, actually lost it in kind of a brutal way that we will get into tonight and a lot has happened since then. So I'm excited to be with you tonight. I'm excited to talk some Cowboys football with you and I'm excited to talk about Micah Parsons. There's a lot of negativity going around Cowboys Nation, and deservedly so, but we'll talk a little bit about one of the best things that we have seen this season from the Cowboys, and that is first-round rookie, Micah Parsons. So we'll get into it. Thank you, Tom Downey's Burner Account, for being here on the show, giving us his daily comment on Micah Parsons. This time it reads, They once named a street in Dallas after Micah Parsons. But they had to change that because no one would cross it. (laughs) Let's go. Asmodeos, what is up as well? Truckers Live, Stephen White as well in the YouTube chat. And hey, I appreciate your comment and your donation. Tom Downey's Burner account. Let me get into this question in just a few moments. The question is, why is it when expectations and standards are high, Dallas falls? What is it about this team and not taking the next step? Honestly, that is a hard question, and I'm sure that I will not reach uh, the the answer that maybe you are looking for, Tom's burner account. And thank you for your comment and the donation, as always. But ah, it's a tough one to answer. I think that it has to do with the fact that our expectations are so high because it's been too long since Dallas Cowboys have played in that NFC Championship game. I have the theory that it does not even though it looks like it or it seems like it, that it does not relate to past failures. But I'm also of the opinion that it is still too early to know if the Cowboys are going to stay on this track or maybe bounce back and resemble the team that we saw in September and October. Because I do think that is still possible. And hopefully by December or January, we do not feel this way. Like, even if they don't get to the NFC Championship game, or even if they don't get to the Super Bowl, we might feel different about this in January. Hopefully, we do. But it's high time the Cowboys bounce back because we are basically at December. Hey, on Wednesday, the next time the Cowboys play, they play Thursday night. The next time that they play, we will be talking about December football. So the clock is ticking for the Dallas Cowboys. Thank you guys for being here. Make sure you hit the like button. Make sure you share the show. And now that more of us are here, let's get ready to start the show officially. Here we go. everyone, and welcome to ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, streaming with you live every Sunday through Thursday night here on Dallas On Demand Sports Talk Network with a lot more content coming your way throughout the entire 2021 season. Make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. For your Cowboys articles, for your Mavericks articles and everything Dallas, make sure you check out adcsports.com slash Dallas. We are here tonight, and I thank you for joining the show to talk about the Dallas Cowboys. And I know we're a little bit disappointed by what has happened in the past four weeks of Dallas Cowboys football, but as someone said in the chat, and it was, if I'm not mistaken, here we go, Asmodeus, he says Parsons is pretty much the only bright spot on this team at the moment. And that is why I decided to dive into it a a little bit on tonight's show. Listen, Let's talk I am so excited about Michael Parsons. We knew he was going to be a good player, but I don't think anyone expected him to be this good this quickly. It has gotten to the point in which there are national media outlets and analysts and football historians actually comparing Michael Parsons to NFL legend Hall of Famer and really just one of the most influential players in NFL history, Lawrence Taylor. And listen, it is too early to even put him in that discussion because we know how historic Lawrence Taylor is. But the fact that he is in that conversation and that he is warranted, and we'll get into it in a few moments as well, really goes to tell you how good his season has been, how good Michael Parsons' season has been. And I know a lot of people will have their reaction like, Ah, he's not even close to being Lawrence Taylor. And those people might be right. You cannot tell the NFL history without talking Lawrence Taylor. But there are some similarities here that we should discuss. Number one, Micah Parsons just broke the Dallas Cowboys franchise rookie record for sacks. We talked about it on Wednesday if Micah could even get close to, you know, the NFL's rookie sack record. And even though we ignored, basically, the franchise record, he broke it on Thursday versus the Raiders. He is at nine already, nine and a half, I believe, or nine. No, nine. The record belonged to DeMarcus Ware, none other than D Ware, who should be in the Hall of Fame soon, by the way. He's a semi-finalist this year. Good for D, uh, D, D Ware, by the way. But anyways, listen, Micah broke that record. He might break the 14 and a half record by Javon Kears in 1999 for most sacks by a rookie. He is basically, at this point, a lock to win the Defensive Rookie of the Year. I believe that the only way that he manages to lose that is if he gets injured. Hopefully, that doesn't happen. And even if he does, I don't know that any other rookie can do something to convince voters that he is not the Defensive Rookie of the Year. But at this point, Parsons might find his way into the defensive player of the year conversation. Not talking about rookies, talking about all players. Now, that would be a tall task because players like uh, Miles Garrett, TJ Watt might have higher sack totals. And we know that those matter to voters, whether it is wrong or right. But at this point, Parsons is not only getting sacks, he also leads the NFL in tackles for loss. I believe that he's at 15 and that is most right now by the NFL or at least entering... Sundays, uh, week 12, week 12 Sundays late of games, he was at the lead in the NFL. So when you talk about, my, when we talk about Michael Parsons and actually comparing him to this guy, to Lawrence Taylor, you have to get into the history of things and why Lawrence Taylor is special in the NFL. And it is very interesting because if you think about it, Lawrence Taylor was the personification of the hybrid defensive end linebacker that we have come to know in the NFL. He was not the first one to do so because there were some predecessors to that movement. Specifically, for example, from the 70s Dolphins, you had Bill Maidson. I don't know if that's if I'm pronouncing that correctly. If I'm not, I'm sorry. But Bill Maidson was the first hybrid linebacker slash defensive end. And that was very important because that was basically the birth of the zone blitz, for example, in the NFL by coach Bill Arnsberger. But then that only happened in situational downs. That hybrid defensive end slash linebacker played only in third and down uh, passing situations. It wasn't until Lawrence Taylor got into the NFL when we started to, uh, when we started to see three, four linebackers rushing the passer consistently so you you think of, you think about Lawrence Taylor's speed, you think about his size, and I cannot help thinking about Michael Parsons. You read a lot of what they say about Lawrence Taylor and a lot of it also fits Michael Parsons himself. You read about tackles having to struggle because of Taylor's speed and combination with power. And you think about what Micah is doing to current offensive tackles in the NFL. This guy, if the Cowboys play their cards right more than anything, this guy has the opportunity to maybe re- uh, take the revolution in NFL linebackers a little bit farther. It, it might happen with Micah Parsons. I do believe that even without getting into the stats, which we'll mention some, you can talk about Michael Parsons being a revolutionary first round draft pick for the Cowboys because it truly has been the case. If you look at pressure rates in the NFL, Micah is the leader in the NFL as well, according to Next Gen Stats, according to PFF, if I'm not mistaken, and even according to ESPN. And he is among the leaders in pressures, not in terms of, you know, not, not in rate. Just in nominal pressures, the number of pressures. Parsons is one of the leaders in the NFL, and he has played about a hundred less pass rushing snaps than many of the NFL's premier edge rushers. So shout out to Michael Parsons. He continues to do a great job. And as Peter is saying over at Facebook, he says Micah's body didn't even NFL mature yet. And that is like even more exciting to think about. This is Micah Parsons. In his rookie year, without training as a pass rusher in the offseason, with him preparing to be an an inside linebacker most of the offseason, and this is the results that we're getting from him. I'm so excited to see what happens when Demarcus Lawrence comes back, when Randy Gregory comes back. For example, versus the Saints that are having some offensive line health issues. Right tackle, Ryan Ramsey didn't play on Thursday. Uh, Terence Armstead was missing from practice today. To me, it it will be very interesting to see if the Marcus Lawrence comes back, where do you play D-Law? Are we going to see him exclusively rushing right tackles like it happened in most of the times before Micah Parsons moved to be a pass rusher most of the time? Or are we going to see the Cowboys wanting to try out the Marcus Lawrence over at the other side of the line? Maybe we see more of D-Law rushing left tackles In order to keep Michael Parsons as most as most as much as you can, excuse me, over uh, on the left side of the defense. I'm interested in that. Clone Micah says Benito Valdez. Lawrence Taylor versus Michael Parsons, a hell of a comparison, as far as I can see. Says Asmodeus, it really is. And hey, I recommend you read about Mike about Lawrence Taylor, like actual content from that time. And the, the descriptions are somewhat similar, to be honest. you read descriptions about, hey, a guy this size shouldn't move as fast as Taylor does. And you read the same about Michael Parsons now. And by the way, Lawrence Taylor won the defensive rookie of the year and a defensive player of the year. The NFL started recording sacks after Lawrence Taylor. So, yeah, I, it, it really is interesting. Reginald says, can't wait until Lawrence and Gregory all play full game with Parsons at full strength and see what kind of a pass rush we will have. I agree with Reginald. I definitely agree with him. He has a point over there at Facebook because when you think about it, even runs Armstrong and Terrell Vashem will be great to see once these guys get back. Because when we see Armstrong and we and we see Basham out there with these guys back, they will have fresh legs. So the the Cowboys pass rush might have this much needed boost once they get back. In a lot of ways, but yeah, Dallas Jones has never watched Lawrence Taylor, but Parsons reminds me of Prime Bond Miller just a little bit more versatile. and that is also a good point because Bond Miller maybe a little bit more versatile because we didn't see a lot of Von Miller over at the inside. And we know that Micah can play on the inside. I do think, and I, and I'm still thinking about it because a lot of people, and even myself have been asking themselves a the question at this point, should the Cowboys consider making Micah Parsons a full-time pass rusher? Like he has been so good at it. He has played so well at that position that we have been asking ourselves that, but Hey, I don't know that you want to waste his talents that way. Keep him as an a hybrid player and let him do a little bit of everything every week. Richard says, Micah is just getting started. Wait till he has more confidence after a season or two. And speaking about that confidence, listening to Micah Parsons talk to the media has certainly been something. It has been as similar to me as, for example, when, we, when you listen to Dak Prescott talk to the media... He says just about all the right things. And Micah is giving me that those similar vibes. And Parsons maybe makes it a little bit more about himself. And I love that. I appreciate that a lot because he talks about, and he has given these quotes, and I'm, I don't know them word by word. But for example, he has said, Some people are burned for the moment, and I'm one of those people, right? Or he says, I want to make those plays. I want to be the guy that makes those plays. Remember that Hard Knocks clip when he's talking to Leighton Vanderich and everyone took it the wrong way? Uh, But I, I think that Leighton had a point by telling that, telling to Michael Parsons that, hey, not all plays are yours to make. And I believe that Leighton was right. But that hunger from Michael Parsons has been very notable. Every step of the way when he talks to the media. That has been so amazing to hear and so amazing to watch. He won with the players. So there's some uh, Troy Aikman and Jimmy Johnson and, you know, mm, those kinds of questions going around at, at YouTube. I really missed the discussion, anyways. But yeah, here we go. So I have a question for you guys as we continue to talk about how amazing Michael Parsons has been. And it is a difficult question. I had to go back a few years to really find the first possible answer. Here we go. Michael Parsons is the Cowboys' best first-round draft pick since? This is a fill-the-blank kind of question. This is a fill-the-blank kind of question because I do think, and I might be in the minority here, but I do think that 2016 is not the answer. It might be too early to tell. But I do think that 2016 is not the answer. And there are some possible answers that might be boring, but they might be fair. And I'm talking about the offensive linemen that the Cowboys have taken in the draft. So Michael Parsons is the best Cowboys first round draft pick since. And Tom Downey's burner account so- says DeMarcus Ware. That might be a fair answer. That might be a little bit before my 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 answer, but I will say, like, if we go year by year, 29, 2020, the Cowboys drafted CeeDee Lamb, and I love CeeDee Lamb, but he's definitely not the answer, at least not in my opinion. 2019, the Cowboys had no draft pick. 2018, it was Leighton Vanderich. We know that was not the answer. Uh where are we, 2017? tacker Charlton, that's the answer, definitely, 100%. I'm just kidding. Uh, 2016, you had Ezekiel Elliott, who had a tremendous season, but uh, it still would not be my my answer to this question. 2015, no, definitely not Byron Jones. And then you arrive to 2014, and you get to sack Martin. That might be the, fir- the be the first best answer. Now, Joyce's Dak. But Dak was a fourth rounder. So Dak Prescott is definitely the best Cowboys draft pick in a long time. In the fourth round, maybe a little bit of luck for them. But we're talking specifically in the first round. Stephen White says, Bob Lilly, Mr. Cowboy. I love that Mr. Cowboy story, by the way. I don't know if you have heard about it. But that time that, you know, uh, Jason Whitting won a lot of Mr. Cowboy awards. And then Bob Lilly tells him, dude, you're the real you're the real Mr. Cowboy, Bob Lilly told Jason Witten in a halftime ceremony once, and I've always loved that. And of course, Jason Witten did not accept such a nickname because he said that it belonged to legend Bob Lilly. Anyways, Dallas Junkers, Tyrant Smith, or Sack Martin? That would be my answer. That would be my answer, Sack Martin, because I do think that when it is all said and done, Sack Martin is still the best offensive guard in the NFL, and that has been the case throughout his entire career. So I will say Zach Martin. Even though we're excited about what Michael Parsons can be, I will keep Martin as my answer. So anyways, let's talk about the game. Let's talk about the Cowboys Raiders game. We have not seen each other since then. And it was a frustrating loss. And tell me, what is your one word? I forgot to type in this question, but tell me your one word to describe their loss to the Las Vegas Raiders. It was painful. That could be one word. My word would be brutal. To be honest, that would be it. Because listen, listening to the Denver Broncos was so difficult to manage, but we all, back then, we all kind of thought, hey, it was just a little bit of a, you know, a stumble on the way. The Cowboys lost it, but they were not supposed to lose it. The Cowboys were just like, and and we even mentioned, hey, the Jaguars just beat the Bills. It happens in the NFL. And maybe we moved on a little bit quickly from that loss. And then the Cowboys went on to beat on the on the Atlanta Falcons. And we were like, all right, we're back in business. And then you lose to the Chiefs on the road in Arrowhead Stadium as the Chiefs seemingly are a quickly improving team. And I also was able to deal with that a little bit better because I thought it was a frustrating loss, but it's the Chiefs. They were in the Super Bowl in February. It's not that big of a deal. But then this one, this one was quite brutal. And even more so because the Cowboys gave us a glimpse of hope. When they tied it, they forced the overtime. And we all kind of felt like, hey, the Cowboys might actually win this. They actually even got a stop in overtime. So, I mean, sorry, in the, in the fourth quarter. A key stop in the fourth quarter to keep it from being a Raiders win in regulation joe says penalties is the word steve white also says penalties burner accounts as typical jessica goes with a fitting embarrassing in my opinion joel says sack martin looked bad during the raiders game he was getting handled and by the way there was this play in which they kind of run like a trap concept and just sack martin does not even pay attention to the defensive tackle i hope that wasn't by design because that would be even worse i believe uh, flags giving says Steve White. Hey, this might be it. 28 penalties. That's the most in the season so far. And I believe that was the most in, I don't know in how many years. Deflating says Richard. Embarrassing, yo says as well. What is up, Charles? Thank you for being here. And make sure you leave a like button. Huge loss, bro. I'm very disappointed, says Dario. It really was. And, hey, Joe says Anthony Brown, and we'll talk about it in a few moments. So, yeah, it was a frustrating game. Beryl says, I'm over it. Love the Giants game today, says Beryl. Big loss for the Cowboys. Uh, Well, big loss for the NFC East when the Eagles lost to the Giants. They humbled Philadelphia really quickly. We were talking, some people were already talking about the Cowboys maybe being at risk of losing the NFC East. But I think we can put that conversation to bed now because I'm really not scared about the Eagles, even though I respect what what they have been doing in the past few weeks, shifting from a passing team to a running team and playing a a lot better on the offensive line. I respect that, and I think that we saw some legit improvements from the Eagles there, but I'm not afraid of them in terms of losing the NFC East to the Eagles. I really am not. But it was a brutal game. It was a brutal loss, and even more so because... All right, so I have some takeaways, and I have three to be exact. I have three to be exact, but I think there's an understandable level of frustration about Dak Prescott's missed throw in overtime, but as always, and this is always the case with Cowboys Nation, because there is a huge divide between the fan base, and this has happened ever since Tony Romo, to be honest with you guys, because... Some people love the quarterback and some people hate the quarterback. I'm one of the people that describes Dak Prescott as a top five quarterback in the NFL. I'm really high on who Prescott is. And I really believe that this is the the guy that the Cowboys should bet on and have already bet on to take them to a championship. I believe that Dak Prescott is the guy to do that. But a lot of people have hated on Dak because of a few missed throws. But more than anything, the frustration has come from Dak Prescott's miss when targeting Noah Brown in overtime in a pass that he just leaves it a little bit behind. Not a little bit, like, that's a bad throw, and you would expect Dak Prescott to make that throw and and Noah Brown to catch it, right? But it should have been a better throw, and Dak must make those type of plays. The fact that he didn't shouldn't be enough for people to, like, give up on Dak Prescott and start criticizing him and start saying that, hey... the biggest moments he does he doesn't deliver because i really think that is not the case i think that Dak prescott has delivered in big spots before he has been in winning teams and the record for just about any quarterback in the nfl when you compare the splits of versus losing teams versus winning teams obviously the record is always better when we're talking about losing teams that is just logic at work but Dak prescott had that moment and I, i i do believe that it is fair to expect him to make the throw, I don't think that it is fair to just give up on him completely. That Prescott is still the guy. And look at the throws that he made before we even got to overtime. He made some throws, he made some throws, excuse me, that not a lot of quarterbacks can do in the NFL. Those targets to Dalton Schultz, for example, that touchdown that he put to Dalton Schultz in the seam, those sideline throws to Michael Gallup, that first down throw in third down. That he just treads the needle between two Raiders defenders. That was the most insane throw of the game, in my opinion, when the Cowboys tied it up. That was an insane throw. And someone said in the chat, I, I saw, I'm sorry I missed who was it. Let me see if I can find it. Someone said, we, would, we, we wouldn't we would have been an overtime if it weren't for Dak Prescott. And that is 100% true. That is 100% true. Steven White says Dak is his Spartan. I believe that as well. Should he have made? Should, should he have had made the throw to North Round? He should have, and that should be expected from Dak Prescott, and that should be the understandable level frustra- of frustration about Dak Prescott's missed pass on Thursday. Missed pass on Thursday, excuse me. Like, Cowboys Nation should feel like he should have made that throw, but we should have not. We should not be giving up on Dak Prescott. That's what I'm trying to say. Back is a beast, says Squid King. One of the best quarterbacks the team has had since Troy Eggman. Darius says if they don't beat the Saints, hopefully they do. The Saints are struggling right now. They might get their offensive tackles back for Thursday night, but that shouldn't be an excuse. You're playing Trevor Simeon. The Cowboys must, must beat the Saints. Now, it's not only about the Mistro to Noah Brown. It's, it's also about the entire offense. The fact that you got two chances, two drives to put the game away and the Cowboys got a field goal on those two drives. That was another thing that was frustrating from the loss to the Raiders. When when that throw happened, the one that I mentioned of him treading the needle while targeting Michael Gallup between two Raiders defenders, we have seen Dak Prescott make those kind of throws before. He's not afraid of that closing window. I always think back to that my favorite play of the 2020 season, that Amari Cooper touchdown versus the Browns, in which, in a similar way, he just puts that ball in the perfect spot in order for the two defenders to not be able to get it. Dak Prescott is so good at those throws, in my opinion. The moment that he completed that pass with Michael Gallup, I really thought to myself, all right, the Cowboys are coming back, and they're taking this one. But then everything just happened so quickly, man. And El, P- El Pipiripao has a good question. He says, do you think Collins is an upgrade this week? And we'll get into that news in a, li- in a little bit. Let me just mention a few things before we get into that. Someone, A lot of people have been talking about Anthony Brown and the penalties on the defensive backs. Listen, it was not the best game for the defense, but it, a big part of the reason why it wasn't the game for the defense was because of those penalties. If you actually look at the numbers, the Raiders went 3 for 13 on third down. 3 for 13. That is a you, you get that number in 10 games you're probably winning about 7 of them. But the Cowboys were not able to because that number that third, 3 for 13 is not it's not counting the four defensive backs penalties that the Cowboys had. That includes three pass interference out of the four that Anthony Brown had and the one that was a Trevon Diggs defensive holding. And there's no getting around it in, in that specific uh, flag Trevon Diggs was holding, so I, I don't mind that. The defensive pass interference were, were a little bit weird. I do think that at some point there were there, there was a lot of contact. I don't know if it was DPI. It might have been defensive holding some of the Anthony Brown flags. But hey, that is what happens in the NFL it really killed the, the Cowboys. Four first down penalties in third, and longs, in third and long situations for the Raiders. Anthony Brown had a rough game. I know that Bob Stern from The Athletic was making the argument that the Cowboys should have gone to softer coverage and maybe more zone coverage in order to stay away from those flags once they realized how the game was being officiated. I think that Bob Stern might have a point in that. He mentioned it on The Athletic. All credit to him. I think it was an interesting idea. At some point, maybe the Cowboys defense should have realized what was going on and just decided to play some coverage instead of being aggressive in man-to-man. And the final example is that 18-yard-to-go uh, situation that the Raiders were facing when the Cowboys were, were flagged for a penalty in overtime. Sorlene sucks, says Jay Cena. Sorlene sucks. Hey, Greg Sorlene, another rough game. And it has gotten to the point in which, as Joels is saying on Facebook, he says he took four points off the board. We are so frustrated with Greg the leg, and he is a problem. There's no, there's no sugarcoating it. He is a problem for the Cowboys. But we have talked about it on primetime, and my only answer and my reply to it all is, who are we bringing in? Because if you Google right now, kicker free agents 2021 in the NFL, you will not see any inspiring name, to be honest. You will not. I don't like the 59-yard field goal. He might've cost the Cowboys some points. I'm not putting the 59-yard field goal on Greg Sarlane, though. That is a 59-yard field goal. I'm not putting that on him, to be honest. Even though Greg is a problem, even though we should acknowledge that Greg is a problem. You cannot put the 59 yard field goal on him, in my opinion. I thought that was a poor decision by the Dallas Cowboys. It was four and seven, and I know that seven yards to go is a lot, but if you are between going for it and kicking the field goal, I think that 10 times out of 10, you should go for it. Even if it's four and seven. And Ben Baldwin's stats and, and his fourth down decision but that automatically puts out the numbers on whether or not it was a good decision. He had the, the following numbers. The success rate for going for it on fourth and seven is 43%. And the success rate for kicking a field goal is of that distance, 59 yards, was it at 51%. And I think that number is a little bit high. I actually reached out to Van Baldwin. I don't know if he has replied. Uh, I think he hasn't. But I actually asked him, could, could it be such a high number because of it being a small sample size, as in not a lot of 59-yard field goals are kicked? But I think that you, you, shouldn't, you shouldn't kick a 59-yard field goal in the NFL unless it is a end-of-the-game situation in which the alternative is a Hail Mary pass. Otherwise, I really hate the decision. The 4-down decision bot from Twitter recommendation was a strong go for it. According to the VOD, it increased the Cowboys win probabilities by 3.1%. So that was probably the way to go. Joey says, kicker isn't our problem. It's definitely far from the biggest problem on the Cowboys, but I do think that Greg is a little bit of a problem. I'm not sure that there's an alternative though. Steve White says, a kicker from the Pumas. And I don't watch a lot of, of Liga MX football soccer football, but uh, but hey, I know that the Pumas are killing it right now. Is Lirium on the practice squad, says Dario. If I remember correctly, they released him. So, no. And the Cowboys did express some level of optimism on <laughs> on on Greg Sorlin himself. But then again, I don't take what coaches say too seriously. Shout out to Lincoln Riley saying that he was not going to take the LSG job. I know, I mean, he didn't, (laughs) to be completely fair, but I am past believing what coaches have to say when it comes to personnel decisions. (laughs) And then, all right, that was one thing that I didn't like from Mike McCarthy's decision-making. There was another thing that I did not like, that I actually hated it, that I actually wanted to punch my TV while watching the football game. And it was whatever the heck was, going on with the offensive line when the Cowboys just rolled out Connor Williams and Lyle Collins to the field. You guys know my take on Lyle Collins. You guys know, if you have been watching Primetime for a while, that I strongly believe that Lyle Collins should be the Cowboys' starting right tackle. Lyle Collins is the better player. I love Trent Steele. He has done a tremendous job. Collins is objectively the better football player, in my opinion. So, having said that, I don't like shuffling the offensive line. And I hate the fact that the Cowboys put them out for one drive. Zach Martin mentioned post-game that it was because the guys had earned an offensive drive. But honestly, what are we talking about? This is not high school football. This is not college football. Like you get on average 12 drives per game. You should go with the players that are your starting players, each and every one of those drives. Even if, Connor, even if Connor Williams and Lyle Collins are not your average backup players, like you have decided on who your starting group is. I strongly believe that the Cowboys should just stick to it. And then the continuity for the offensive line right now is just a disaster because now you don't have Terrence Steele for Thursday's night game. Now, that is... Another conversation because, of course, it is going to be the case because of COVID-19, Terrence Steele was placed on the COVID-19 list along with multiple Cowboys coaches who will not be available for the Thursday night game versus the Saints. But I just don't like the idea of having so many changes at the offensive line. Once that Terrence Steele comes back from the COVID-19 list, once that he comes back and the Cowboys have their Guys, I just really hope that they just pick five of them and stick to it the rest of the way. I want Lyle Collins to be the Cowboys starting right tackle. But even if the Cowboys' decision is to stick with Terrence Steele, which in my opinion would be wrong, I just wish that they stick with it. I just wish that they stop making this many changes. Definitely hurt, says Tom his Burner account, that Joe Philbin was out with COVID during that game. And it definitely did hurt, but I also have my opinion on, I do believe that if Joe Philbin was in the game, that still would have happened. I don't think that they make that call without Philbin's approval is what I mean. I don't know what you guys think about it, but that would be my my opinion. Squid King over at Facebook says, Collins is the better tackle. I agree with that. Roman says, this kid looks like he's 12 years old. I, 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 I get that a lot. <laughs> Shout out to Roman over at YouTube chat. Basically, if you invert those numbers, you get closer to my age. I'm 22 years old. Thank you, Roman, for being here on ADC Sports Dallas Primetime. Uh, Richard Dillis says, the Cowboys need to spend some money and go steal the best kicker who's going to be a free agent at year's end. Pearl Killer says, this kid has a lot of moxie. <laughs> I will take it. I will take that the right way. I will take it as a compliment. Well, Steel is out this week, says Joel. He is. They need to bring back Lirium. So we want to go with Lirium at kicker. I I assume, judging by the chat. I love Lyrium. Harry Lacus story. I think it is great. I don't know that he's the better. I don't know that he's the best kicker between the two. I I really don't. Shout out to JC J Cena who's actually watching from Monterrey. I didn't know that. Monterrey, Nuevo Leon, that, it is, that is actually Isaac Alarcón's hometown. Shout out to Jay. Shout out to the big, he, he will get what I mean. Shout out to the big ranch. I'm just kidding, man. I'm just kidding. Shout out to Jay, saludos. Anyways, uh, g- going back to the game, that was one of the most frustrating things in my opinion. And finally, yeah, a little bit of Cowboys news. Terrence still out with COVID-19 out with COVID-19 uh, versus the Saints, Lyle Collins will start at right tackle. I think it is an upgrade, not a uh, not an upgrade that Cowboys were maybe looking for, but I do think that it is an upgrade at the offensive line. Other than that, some more important Cowboys news. I mean, we mentioned the coaches that will be out with COVID as well. Joe Philbent, assistant coaches as well. So that might be an issue. We have seen some Teams have issues with this. At the end of the day, those coaches are part of an operational process on game day, and it will be different for everyone not to have them involved. We will see if the Cowboys' preseason prep will work out for them in these kind of situations when they practice without Kellen Moore. Do you remember that in the preseason, the Cowboys actually had one game in which they removed Kellen Moore as an offensive coordinator and just let the coaches adjust to that, and they had Doc Nosmeyer called some plays and things like that. I wonder if that pays off for the Cowboys in any kind of way now that some positional coaches are out. Ezekiel Elliott, important news for Ezekiel Elliott, and actually the question for you guys in the chat is, is Ezekiel Elliott missing time a big deal, small deal, or no deal? Because according to multiple reports, the Cowboys are considering Sitting Ezekiel Elliott as they try to help him out in his rehab with a knee injury. I think that if, if you have seen or watched any kind of Cowboys game recently, we all kind of we all can agree that Ezekiel Elliott is not right right now. He is not right. So I do think it is a I do think it is a big deal. I think it is the right call. For the Cowboys, if they choose to give him some time, I think that they're making the right decision. But I think it is a big deal for the Cowboys offense. Right now, the Cowboys run game is kind of broken. In the past few weeks, the Cowboys have not been able to get any kind of ground game going, at least not an efficient one. And Tony Pollard has had some great moments. He has You know, had some big gains and now he had even in special teams, he made a big impact with that kick return, which by the way, was one of the most awesome moments of the game. But overall, I I like Tony Pollard. I don't know how I think, how I feel about, I don't know how I feel about Tony Pollard, the running back one, because he is great on open field situations. He has that burst that the Cowboys have been able to exploit this season I don't know how we feel about him being a power back or getting that fourth and one conversion, for example. So I'm kind of worried about that. And that is the reason why I will say this a big deal. However, that does not mean that that isn't the right call for the Cowboys because I do think that is the right call. They have to give him some rest. You're just going to get sick hurt, says Dario. And I agree with that. Small deal, Pollard right now looks better, says Joel Wilson. There is no ground game, says Beryl. Dario says, no deal, because Pollard is is great. Richard has a right answer as well. He says, a smart deal now, a bigger deal if you wait. Then he says, not a threat in the running game right now is why the box is stacked. Uh, do what he can do, but play. We need him now, says Steve White. Small deal, says Jessica. Peter goes with small deal as well. Tom Downey says, bro, Tom Downey's burner account. I always want to clarify that because, hey, maybe someone that is listening to the to the podcast, things that it is actually Tom down, and we put some words in his mouth and we don't want to do that. Shout out to Tom. He does a great job. Big deal, waste of cap and has not leaped up to his contract. And then he says a necessary deal. And that is, that is true. It is necessary for the Cowboys, but I am a little bit worried about that. I, I am a little bit worried about that and maybe more than most fans, because I'm not sure how I feel about Tony Pollard, the running back one in comparison to Ezekiel Elliott. I love Pollard though, and I I, I am excited to watch him get more, more snaps and more opportunities to do what he does, which is make plays, to be honest. Ramin says, thoughts on Tristan Hill. I am a little bit conflicted on Hill right now. There is no excuse to what he did post-game, but I think that we have seen some good plays from Hill. Maybe he's not that player in which you can be super confident in every single down. But this guy still shows off that he has a tremendous motor in some games and he can be fast at some in some situations as well. I'm excited about him getting back into rhythm and maybe him earning a role with the Cowboys on the defensive line rotation. I don't want to get my hopes up, but I have liked what I have seen so far from Tristan Hill. I want to actually do a deep dive into his game because we have seen so little from him but I want to I watch him a little bit more closely and get back to you on that question. But so far, I have liked what I have seen. Everyone plays 75% and up. We need them now, says so Steve White. Tony can handle it if the receivers do their job. Fortunately for the Cowboys, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb should be back on Thursday night versus the Saints. Anyways, guys, we have gone on for a little uh, longer than usual. Lincoln Riley to USC—that is amazing. That is just crazy. That is crazy for the college football world. Oklahoma State maybe getting the chance at the top four. I am so excited about Saturday, about the championship Sunday. Uh, Saturday, I don't want to sound like a hater, but I don't want Alabama to beat Georgia. I really don't want Alabama to beat Georgia, and this is not Alabama hate. This is me not wanting Cincinnati. Michigan, or Oklahoma State to get screwed out of a playoff spot. That is what I don't want to see. So hopefully Georgia gets it done versus the Crimson Tide. I think they can do I, I think they can do it. That defensive front should have no issues against the Bama offensive line, which is definitely far from what we are used to from Nick team. Yeah, just wanted to put that out. Just wanted to get that off my chest. I want Alabama to lose on Saturday. Not because of hate against them. I just want to see Michigan, Oklahoma State, and Cincinnati. All of them, I want them in the playoffs. And we know that Georgia is not... Georgia has their spot basically clinched. Or at least they should. Otherwise, it would just be recency bias at work if you leave them out of the top four. So Georgia has a spot. I do think that is the case. Anyways... Sorry for the college football parentheses. We have not talked a lot about college football here, but we will see. We will see about, uh, you know, maybe mixing in some college football content here in the show over the next few weeks because college football is at its high point right now. So maybe we'll do that. Thank you, Ramin. Thank you for your comment. I I appreciate you and make sure you leave a like and share the show. If you're watching on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, the same to you, all of you guys. Thank you for joining the show. I'm Mauricio Rodriguez, your ADC Sports Dallas primetime host. Make sure you check out adcsportsdallas.com slash Dallas. Tomorrow, we will have more Cowboys content, 8 p.m. Central. And, hey, we are getting ready for the Thursday night game on uh, versus the Saints. Are you back to classes tomorrow, Moses? Tom Downey's Burner account? No. I am mostly free. I am done with the classes now I'm just worried about final exams and things like that. This is my second to last college semester. I'm excited about it. And, and well, just one more to go. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for joining the show. I will see you tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Central. Have a great Sunday night.